The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Your mind. People come to me and say, Preacher, I don't think preaching does any good. I've been to all kinds of sermons. I can't even remember what they are 10 minutes down the road. I, I mean, my wife will come to me and say, what was that sermon about? And I go, it was about the Bible. You know, I mean, they can't, well, give me one point on a sermon, I'll go, it was about the Bible. But you know, my mom, my mom cooked a lot of meals. Some of you old girls cooked a lot of meals for your family. I figure you cook three meals a day, seven days a week, 21 meals. It's over a thousand a year. And I'll be honest with you, if you ask me to recall what my mother cooked for me, I could only name about five different kinds of meals. But I know she had more variety than that. But I can probably only name about three or four, maybe five of the best ones of the thousand meals in a year. As a preacher, I get up here and put food up on the table and spiritual food up on the table out of the proven, tested, tried word of God. And you may leave here and in five minutes you may not recall, but I can tell you it's helped you. Just like when you eat one of your mama's meals if you're still at home or one of your... I, whoa, don't you wish you could go back and eat some of your mama's meals? My wife never did come up to her. You can't come up to your mom's cooking. It just don't happen. There was something special back then. I don't know what she put in it. She put her finger in it or something. Something happened, man. She put something in that. that my, that my wife loves me, and she is a good cook, but she does not like my mama. Well, my mama fed me meal after meal after meal, and I not, may not recall it, but brother, I know it did me good. And these, you come and expose yourself to the preaching of the old word of God, the old King James Bible, the tried and tested word of God, it will benefit you. I guarantee you that. You may say, it offended me last week. Well, it may offend you this week. It'll bless you this week. Offend you last week, bless you this week. Don't you ever get offended away from hearing the Bible. Behold, in verse 16, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Uh, beware of men. There's nine of these bewares I found in Scripture. As I saw this here, I thought, I wonder how many other times it's mentioned about being aware. I found them. I'll share them with you. Beware of men. For they will deliver you up to the consuls, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. That's big. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them. He didn't say they were going to get saved. He just said, you testify of me because you're doing something. You're being a testimony, in this case, against them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you up, take no thought of how you shall speak or how it shall be given to you. It shall be given to you in that same hour what you shall speak. Why? For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. What a promise that is to have God speak through you and through me if we'll just do what he wants us to do. The phrase there, 
is interesting. The context of this passage, because a text without a context is a pretext, and you need a context, and Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples. I think it's a parallel passage, similar at least to Luke chapter 10, when he sent the 70 disciples out and equipped them and empowered them and sent them out. And we, by the way, we've been sent out. We that have trusted in Christ here in 2016 have been sent out. Just like the early disciples were sent out at the ascension, he says, go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the prime directive of every born-again believer that ever gets saved. It's, it's the same for me as it was for my forefathers and those going all the way back then. My, the word gospel Baptist tells it all. We believe in the good news that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day so that you can be saved and you can have your sins forgiven. Best news I ever heard. We're sent forth today as these 12 disciples were sent forth, but the interesting phrase is they're sent as sheep in the midst of wolves. Does that seem like a strange statement to you? Well, first of all, it tells me there must be more wolves than sheep. There must be more wolves than sheep because that's not the way it works in nature. In nature, there's more sheep than wolves, because if there's more wolves than sheep, pretty soon there's no sheep. Make sense? Because wolves like to do what to sheep? Eat them. Favorite food. So it says, I'm going to send you forth as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Now, if I loved my little sheep, I would be at least a little scared to send them in the midst of a pack of wolves, knowing that that's the favorite food of a wolf would be a harm. What can a sheep do to you? Bah, you to death. Wolves usually sneak in and devour vulnerable sheep in nature. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29, Paul's speaking to the, the preachers that are gathered together over there at the coast, and he's not going to see them again, and he helped them to get saved and established them, had a lot of history with them, and a very emotional statement he makes in verse 29 there of chapter 20. says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. I'm sure he did it with tears. He loved every one of them boys. Every one of them people got saved. But he said, I know the Holy Spirit's told me that after I depart, the wolves, will, now that's the regular way. The wolves will enter in among the sheep. But Jesus' words are opposite of that. There, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. It's a warning to us, no doubt. The word in, in Luke 10, he uses the word lambs. And, and lambs even conveys more of an innocence and a vulnerability than the word sheep does. Even though sheep, a growing sheep, is as vulnerable as a lamb. They just really have no defense mechanism except they all huddle together and, and uh, turn white. And so let me take you through a few of these, some nine of them, in the, that I found in the New Testament that tells us that are trusting in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. To beware. Beware of the wolves of men. Beware of men, he says. 
Uh, later on in that passage, if you read down in Matthew 10 there, you're going to find he talks about beware of even your brothers. Beware of your fathers. Beware of your children because they'll turn you over. And some of them will turn you over to be killed. In essence, beware of all men because this is not going to be an easy ride. People are not going to like you when you become a Christian. Now, I know we live in America, and historically, America is an anomaly. It's a bubble outside of the normal. America is where Christianity was the majority and had rule of law on their side and had such a thing as freedom of speech on their side. Now, historically, that's not been the lot of our forefathers. The forefathers who trusted Christ as their Savior were driven. Read Hebrews chapter 10. They lived in caves. Some of them were stripped of everything. Some of them were tormented, sawn asunder, forbidden to speak in the name of Jesus. And if they did, they were beaten. That's been the normal history for Christianity. God in his mercy allowed America to come about as a unique thing not only as a democracy or a republic, but the fact that we've had a fairly friendly ride here for Christianity. How long that will last, I don't know. But Jesus said, beware of men. If you want to be liked by everybody as a born-again Christian, as Brother Bob Morris would say, get over it. Get over it. I know, I know for an early believer, a young believer, that trust Christ their Savior and ask Him to be as, as their Master and Lord, and you know they begin to live for Christ, and they, they begin to go to their, their relatives. First thing you did, maybe you got saved. You go to your relatives. You think your relatives are going to be happy for you. Hey, I got saved. I trusted Christ my Savior. I now have, I, I've been, I'm of a place in heaven. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You don't know a whole lot at the beginning. You may not say all that, but you just tell them, I got saved. Saved from what? Now, you ain't going to get religious on me now. And you're not, now, don't tell me you're going to church during the week now. We're taking you in for some examination. If something's wrong with you, you want to go to church more than once a week, and even once a week's too much, what are you going to do? Ain't you going to go hunting on the weekend anymore? Ain't you going to go fishing? Ain't you going to go playing? Ain't you going to live for yourself? No, man, I'm saved. I'm going to go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. Twice on one day? Tell me it ain't so. I think you're in some sort of cult. Well, that'll hurt you, brother. That'll warp your mind. That's what they say. Luke chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus said, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. I've not had that problem. Brother Moon, I can say unequivocally, he has not had that problem. It's just bad when my wife speaks bad of me, you know? For so did their fathers and the false prophets. In other words, basically people, the world loves its own. Jesus said, if you were of the truth, if you were of the world, they would love you. But because you're of the truth, they hate you because they hate truth. The first thing you better get clear in your mind as a new believer is, this world is not our home. This world hates truth. You read John, you say, brother, but I don't believe that. Then you read John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21, and tell me why they don't come to the truth. 
Jesus said they don't come to the truth because their deeds are evil and they hate the light. Now, those are Jesus' words. You can argue with them all you want. Try to soften that up. You won't be able to. We're supposed to beware of men. Men will not love you as a born-again Christian. Beware that when you get saved, it may separate you from your best buddies. It'll, I know I had a bunch of, uh, of drug and drinking buddies, and, and when I got uh, right when I got at 18 years old, the first thing those boys did is come over and let's go out partying. I said, I got, I got right with God. I'm not going with you anymore. And they gave me just what I about told you just here. Well, you crazy. You ain't going to church. Now you're not going to start. They gave me that. I said, I'm not going with you guys at all, but you need to get saved. I started talking about Jesus. Man, they were like, gone. They want any part of Bill. I thought they, I thought they were my friends. I hear girls sometimes say, I don't have any friends. Listen to me. Stop. What a friend I have in Jesus. He's a friend that will stick with. He's closer than a brother. The second thing I noticed, it says in Philippians chapter 2, if you want to turn, fine. If you want to just listen, fine. Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. And for you pet lovers, I bring this out. But this is the Bible. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. Now, the word dog in the Bible, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just be as truthful with you and honest with you. I love dogs. I've had dogs. At one time, I had nine dogs. But I can tell you the lowest form of, of life in the Bible is a dog. And now I'm definitely not loved of all men, I can tell you that. But in this particular case, when you call somebody a dog, it was an insult of the lowest kind. It was a vilification of the, who they were. Uh, it goes on to say, beware of evil workers and beware of concision. The word concision means those who mutilate themselves. So he's basically saying if you, if you group those three things together, he's telling us there under the Holy Spirit, that's Paul speaking uh, to the Philippian church there. He's saying beware of bad people. Beware of worthless people. Beware of, of people um, that, will, that will pull you down. The Bible says evil company corrupts good morals. That's my paraphrase. Evil communication, communication corrupts. And I mean, you, you are kind of who you hang around. I, I mean, I, I know teenagers deny that. I used to tell my mom, she said, you're hanging around this guy. He's not too, oh, no, mom, he don't do nothing. No, he don't influence me. I was lying through my teeth. Uh, but the truth is, you are who you hang around. When I go into a teenager's bedroom and I see, I see the Grateful Dead posters, I know I'm going back a little ways. Been a while since I've really been a rock fan, you know. I see Jimi Hendrix, I see Led Zeppelin, I see Rolling Stones, the Beatles, I think, I think, I know who those people are. I, it tells, that tells me more about who those people are than any if they stood there and carried on a 20-minute conversation with me. You are who you are. You are who you hang around. You are who you have your bumper stickers. You, you are who you put on your wall. I mean, you are who your friends are. Beware of dogs and of evil workers and of concision. What's, what's God saying? He's saying under the blessed Holy Spirit, beware of evil people. Beware of people that will pull other people down. Beware of people that will mutilate themselves. They will criticize good things, and they'll mutilate others in the process. Ever been around a person that can't say a good word about anything? I hope it ain't you. But if it is you, 
Stop it. Stop it by the grace of God. Go to God and say, I got to quit that. I've been there. I've been there. When I'm in, I'll tell you what's, what's the most critical person in the world is about a, a sophomore in college Bible school. I mean, a sophomore in Bible school, they get a deal where they got holy and they got the baptism of the Spirit and they got all the wisdom of, of the ages and nobody can live quite like they live, brother. I mean, you know, her skirt's about a quarter inch too short. She must be backslid. I mean, they start judging everything, looking at everything. I mean, this is that. And they just are the judge of the world. God forbid. Don't hang around folks like that. They'll pull you down. They'll draw you down. They'll they'll turn on you and mutilate you like they mutilate those around them. Let me just say this. Common sense, if they talk bad about those folks, when you're not there, guess what? They talk bad about you. We've all been guilty of this. I'm preaching to me, too, because I've done these things. It's wrong, and I deny them and denounce them in the name of Jesus. I don't want to be that way. Bible said, thirdly, I found beware of wolves as false prophets. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. It says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. He sends us forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, and then he says, the wolves come in among us as sheep. Isn't that interesting? He says, us as sheep in the midst of wolves, but then he says, the wolves will come in among you, but they're going to be dressed like sheep. Beware of it. Be warned that they would come. Jesus said, Matthew 24, 11, many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. People have asked me, Brother Bill, why are there so many churches? Why is there Jehovah Witness? Why is there Mormon? Why is there some of that? Why are all these cults out there? Because Jesus said they'd be there, number one. And because you can lie a thousand different ways, but you can only tell the truth one way. Truth by itself is singular. And lying can be in a thousand different directions. The devil presents God in every way but right. And that's maybe a thousand different ways. But God presents himself as he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Beware of false prophets. I mean... You need to be careful about what you believe. You need to know why you believe. 1 John 4, 1 says, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they're of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. We should not be surprised by that. That warning should help us lift up our eyes and say, Is this true? I remember I said the other week about a, a guy that trusted Christ as his Savior, been working on him for over a couple years, and finally asked Jesus to save him. And uh, it wasn't a week later, Joe Witnesses knocked on his door and wanted to meet with him. And I was just grieved in my soul. I said, what do you mean? Said, what do you mean? Well, I said, well, I said brother, don't, don't meet with him. You don't know enough Bible. You're not able to meet with him yet. You're, you need to grow some first. He said, well, well, how do I know? How do I know that you're not a cult? How do I know they're not a cult? I don't know about that. I said, well... Brother, you're just going to have to trust the Spirit of God that's now in you. And so he started meeting with them, and, he, and believe it or not, a young Christian like himself, he stumped them going to the book of Revelation that Jesus indeed was deity or was God manifest in the flesh. But let me tell you, they'll show up. They'll show up. Don't be surprised by false prophets. The fourth thing I found is in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 6. It says, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now this comes in three parts. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the lawyers, were so bad that Jesus warned about them multiple times. 
Uh, I've met some Pharisees. I think you've met some. There's not a church out there that doesn't have Pharisees that are members. And they just, I believe God allows them to be part of every Bible-believing group to test us to see if we will love people who despitefully use us and who speak evil of us. And God says you're supposed to bless them that do that speak evil of you. So God will place around you people that will speak evil of you to see how you will react about it. Will you put your poochy lip out there and say, nobody loves me, everybody hate me. I guess I'll just eat worms. I'm going to quit the church. Oh, that'll do you a lot of good. I'm going to quit listening to the Bible. I'm going to quit reading the Bible. And God didn't fail you. He already warned you. He said they're coming. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He says it's their doctrine in verse uh, chapter 16, verse 12. He says they understood how they bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but beware of the doctrine or teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, well, what are some of those teachings? Thank you for asking. I'm going to give you three of them. Uh, number In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, is beware of the wolves of covetousness. He says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he says, Take heed, beware of the covetousness, for a man's consistence not in the abundance of things that he possesseth. Very directly, Jesus talks about the Pharisees having the sin of covetousness, but not just them. Covetousness is one of maybe the most mentioned sin in the New Testament. It is making a living the number one prime directing directive in your life. That's covetousness. Who's supposed to be number one? God. Jesus says very clearly in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. And in context, it's talking about the things we eat, the things we wear, the where we let all of that fall in place. In other words, God, God will help you make a living if you live for him first. If you put him and, and, and his body of believers, a local church, and you make that number one in your life, and you, you make serving him and winning other folks to him and telling people about Jesus and reading your Bible, and you make seeking him first, he said, I'll take care of all the rest of the stuff that will come about. He said, don't be like the Gentiles. They seek those things. Covetousness, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's when we place something else in front of God. It's when you, it, it's a form of idolatry because it places something else in front of God. He says, take no thought. He said, uh, take, uh, he says a lot of good things. I mean, I, that was, but I went to page, uh, I went to the wrong page. But because I'm an old, refined preacher, I didn't jump in there at the wrong spot. Because if I got confused, this may go on for hours. <laughs> Matthew 6.34 says, Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We got just your free T-shirt you're going to get. It says, Today's the day. That's it right there. A lot of us are so worried about tomorrow, we ruin today. Make sense? You're just concerned about who's going to get elected president. You're biting your finger. I'm not concerned about anything about the. I may not live long enough to see the presidency. We may not live long enough to see the presidency. 
We don't know what tomorrow holds. I know only today. Sufficient for the evil is enough for today. I don't need to think about anything but what's going on by the grace of God today and trust in God. And then I live tomorrow. And then I, I say, oh, sure, you're playing like you're going to live to 100. Live like, but live like today is your last day. And don't let anxiety bother you and all that. No, because, see, people that are covetous are biting their nails constantly. Because I'll tell you this, I've learned something about money. It likes to take wings and fly away. If you don't believe it, put it in the stock market and see what happens. Well, they told me when I was a young man, if you'll save a little bit every year and put it in the IRA, by the time you get to be 60-some years old, you will be a millionaire. Yeah, if it wasn't for Black Tuesday every 15, 20 years that cuts it back to half or takes it all, Man, I've, I invested some of my IRA money in bank stock. Well, that was smart. Went to zero. Zero. Not a penny. How about you GM investors? Well, that was good. GM stock went to zero. I remember when GM stock was $1.65. Now, look, I've been around a while. I know GM. GM. You couldn't buy GM stock for less than 110 $120 a share. I told my wife, we got to go, we got to jump on that $1.65. I said, let's take some of your money and let's put it on GM stock. Well, GM, if, if GM just stumbles, it'll go up to $15. We'll, 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 we'll you know, multiply your, your money 15 times. It went to zero. She looked at me and said, I'm glad I didn't do that. Beware of covetousness. That's the sin of the Pharisees. I'll beware of pride and pretense. That's the sin of the Pharisees. Mark chapter 12, he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which go in and love long clothing and long salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, Make long prayers. These shall receive the greater damnation. There may be no more detestable sin than so-called religious people using prayer and burning candles and this and that and the other thing to take people's wealth from them. Pretense. Pride and pretense. You, you and I need to be aware of it. We do not want to serve God for recognition. I've had people say, Brother Bill, I don't serve God for recognition. And then when they don't get recognized, they pout. Well, come on, you're serving God for recognition. If you get up and sing, Hannah, and it's your song, and you and your sister, and Heather, oh, well, they sound so beautiful. But if nobody claps, go down and say, glory to God. Hallelujah. That's because we're stunned with its beauty. But I mean, you know, I've had people say, I've taught Sunday school for 20 years. Nobody ever gave me a plaque. And beware of pride and pretense. Who are you serving? The Bible says, whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. Not as unto men, but as unto God. Stop it. Another one of the sins of the Pharisees that we're to beware of is Luke chapter uh, 12, verse 1, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. 
hypocrisy. Now, you know, this is an old, worn-out subject. That is uh, outward appearance being righteous outwardly, but inward you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. That's what it says in Matthew 23, verse 28. God forbid that you are not what you appear to be. Transparency is next to humility. I know people that are secretive, people that don't want anybody to know anything about them. I worry about you folks. I worry about you. Why don't you want others to know about you? What is it that you don't want them to know? Well, they'll talk about me. Why does that bother you? See, pride is what causes that to bother you. Pride is, a, is you're worried about what well, they're saying about you. I don't worry what people say about me. Amen. I would have been out of this so long ago, you couldn't believe it. You just got to give all that to God because ultimately it's what God thinks of you is what counts. And transparency is opposite of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is appearing to be something, but you're really not that. Transparency is showing people really what you are. And sometimes it's not pretty. Confessing your faults one to another is what the Bible says. Not hiding your personal life from others. You know, some of you fight at home or cold as ice at home. You're cruel. And at church, you're peachy, peachy good. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Ask me if when I had my last fight with my wife, I'll tell you. This afternoon. I confess my sin and hers. I'd rather be accused of being too transparent than too secretive. You see, the Pharisees walked around, man, they walked around. Outwardly, they looked good. They looked good. They looked religious. They looked holy. They looked white. They looked clean. But inside the Bible, Jesus said they're full of dead men's bones and all sorts of wickedness and iniquities. Man, don't worry about what. By the way, the, the shame sometimes of people finding out what you really are is good for you. It's good for you. Beware of the wolves of vain philosophy. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Beware lest men, any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit and tradition of men. There have been people come up with this positive thinking. The latest one is this uh, uh, guy with real curly black hair out in Texas. He tells everybody that God wants nothing but good for you, and he wants to prosper you. And the only reason you're not prosperous, you're not thinking right, and got it in your head. Come on, get real. You know better than that. If you go back and read any history about Christians, grab Fox's Book of Martyrs and start reading through that, you're going to find that God lets his people get persecuted in every way imaginable, and they die often destitute as far as the world's concerned. But brother, the entrance that they'll have someday. Well, God wouldn't, I had a person say, God wouldn't want you to ever go through pain. Are you kidding? He puts you in the pain. He brings it to you so that you'll look to him. And so that you'll learn what only pain can teach. 
I want to be loyal to Jesus, not the tradition of man. I feel so sorry for people who are trusting their soul salvation on tradition. I'm not loyal to traditional creeds. I'm loyal to the word of God. I'm loyal to Jesus Christ. I'm not loyal to the Baptists. I'm loyal to Jesus Christ. As long as the Baptists walk with Jesus, I'm good with it. But if the Baptists move away from Jesus and go off into whatever, I'm no more a Baptist. I'm something else. Call me by whatever name you want to call me, but I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and his book. Not loyal to institutions. I'm loyal to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we're to beware Lastly, in 2 Peter 3.17, beware lest you also being led away of the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. That's found in 2 Peter 3.17. Beware lest you also being led away of the error of the wicked. I hate that. I hate that phrase. That means it's possible. In 2 John 1.8, it says, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Do you know it's possible to get careless? to get too comfortable, to relax, and to be deceived, and consequently lose some of those things that God wants you to have for all eternity. If it wasn't true, he wouldn't warn us, right? Make sense to you? He wouldn't warn you in the Bible to beware, to be frosty, to keep, listen, this is no cakewalk. If you think, well, I don't have to put much effort in my Christianity, you're going to be slaughtered like sheep. Put your hand to the things of God. Study the Bible. Make it your book of pursuit. Listen to the preaching of the Word of God. Go to Sunday school class. Be there Wednesday night. Come to revivals. Go to, go to missions conferences. Put your hand to it because you're going to need everything that you are being given. I remember my dad talking. My dad was a Marine. And I remember him talking about the drill sergeant. And the drill sergeant was not kind to him. In fact, one time he didn't get his underwear quite clean enough. The drill sergeant went in there and grabbed his underwear in front of all the men, threw them in the dirt and the mud and took his foot and went like that and says, now go back and scrub every one of them to where they don't have any spot in them or whatever. My dad was a welterweight champion in Chicago of the Golden Gloves after he went in the Marines. He said, I looked at that guy, and I thought I could take him with one punch. That guy, as he went to Saipan and Tinian and, you know, fourth wave, first wave, Okinawa, he said, that guy was trying to save my life. Sometimes you don't view someone that's maybe being a little tough on you as trying to help you, but oftentimes those are the people that really love you. Those are the people that are really trying to help you. Those, When God brings tough things into your life, you say, oh, God's not being fair to me, not being good to me. Are you kidding? He is developing you into a soldier of the cross. Beware of men. Beware of dogs. Beware of false prophets. Beware of leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of covetousness. Beware of pride and pretense. Beware of hypocrisy. Beware of the tradition and vain philosophy of men. And beware of the error of the wicked. Don't follow this world where they're going. 
a lot of you, some of you may be concerned about style fad. Don't follow the world where they're going. Christian women, let's not follow them. When they start going down and tight and up and shrink wrapped and see through and all, ladies, don't follow them. Don't follow them. Oh, but I'm not in style. Be in style for Jesus. Man, follow God. Follow God. Be the head of your home. Lead your family. I hope you as a, as a, as a, you know, you say, I'm not the leader. I let my wife take it over. No, no, you're the leader. God says you are. And you're going to be judged for those responsibilities. And, you know, as a man of the house, you should be the one saying, let's read our Bibles tonight. You should be the one saying, let's pray tonight. You should be the one says, let's go to church today. You're not the one dragging the thing back. You should be the leader by the grace of God. And if you are, boy, you know, God's going to bless you and help you, encourage you in the way. The things of God are so much better than the things of the world. Beware of the error of the wicked because ultimately they have to stand someday in judgment of what they've done before a holy God whose eyes they cannot look into. Well, I thought this morning it'd be important for us to look at this. I like Zechariah as I close. It says, this word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. How can sheep survive in the midst of wolves? By the blessed Holy Spirit. By the blessed word of God. We're to be as wise as serpents. How do you get wise, word of God? And he says you're to be innocent as doves. You know a dove is a type of the Holy Spirit. So be filled with the word of God, anointed by the spirit of God. And if you'll be filled with the word of God and anointed by the spirit of God, you'll come out the other end victorious and an overcomer by the grace of God. Father, help us this morning. Help us to see it. I pray, Father, that the warning's been given as it had been given all those years ago. We pray, Father, that the Spirit of God may interpolate, explain. There could be some in this room that know not Christ as their Savior. They've been going the other way. They've bought into the world, but they know now it's no good. Steve Jobs bought into the world. I just read a statement of him the other day. He didn't take one dollar with him. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for God, for Christ, will last. Where are you this morning? Where's your effort at? Where's your excitement at? Where's your desire at? That's where your heart is. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And God wants your heart. Bible says, if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart confession is made unto salvation. Why don't you trust Christ? If you don't know for sure you're saved, don't know where you're going to spend eternity, we're here for you. This is what we do. And in time, I'm singing here in a few minutes, everybody's standing, we'd love to have you come and Forward there to walk down the aisles, meet somebody, and they'll take you in the back and show you out of the Bible the Word of God. Maybe you'd like to pray with somebody. Even after the service invitation, you can meet with one of us. We'd like to talk to you.
Maybe during the week you'd like to call, make an appointment, come in and talk to us. We're here for that. We'd love to do it. Father, now move in Jesus' name. Amen.